What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Dissect That Film. It's 2023. It's a new year. But it's the same us. With some new movies. We're here to dissect your favorite films, film franchises, and TV. Today is episode 87, where we are finally venturing back into a film franchise. At least for now, as we talk about the 1979 classic. Alien, starring Scorny Weaver, Tom Skerritt, Ian Holm, John Hurt, and many, many more. Veronica Cartwright. I am your host, your captain, Brett Dallas Parker. Joining me, as always, is my uh, my co my co pilots over here. Oh wait, wait, over there. We got Dan. Dan, who do you want to be? Care, just pick somebody. I'm good. I really don't care. I had I had one for you. You're gonna be you're gonna be Brett. You're gonna be Brett. You're gonna be Dan Brett. And Angela is definitely gonna be Ripley. She's got to be Ripley. As long as I'm not Lambert. Oh God, no. I mean, we'll get to that. (laughs) So we got two Bretts on the show today because Dan's Dan's the other Brett. Mm -hmm. Isn't that crazy? But before we talk about this wonderful film from 1944 years ago, can you believe that? That's how long ago this movie came out. Uh, We're going to watch the trailer for Alien. Some of you may have figured out we're not home yet. We're only halfway there. Mother's interrupted the course of our journey. What? She's programmed to do that should certain conditions arise they have like what seems she has intercepted a transmission of unknown origin she got us up to check it out what kind of a transmission acoustical beacon it uh, repeats at intervals of 12 seconds sos i don't know human So, Alien. We're finally back into a franchise. We're going to be covering all of the movies in this franchise, starting from Alien all the way to Alien Covenant, which came out a couple years ago. I'm very excited. We're going to be mixing in some movies, uh, different movies here and there that aren't part of the franchise um, as we go through. But it's exciting to finally be back. We haven't done a franchise since The Terminator. And the funny thing is, is we're going to be talking. We did the Terminator movies, which 
James Cameron, of course, directed Terminator and Terminator 2. And we're also going to be talking about a James Cameron alien movie. So it's like James Cameron, he's just hanging out. He's just, you can never escape him. He's got a movie in theaters right now. He's like, three and a half hours, come see me. And it's like, no, I want to talk about your other ones. I don't have time for that one. (laughs) That's relatable. But Alien from 1979, directed by Ridley Scott, kind of in the early, early years of his career. But I want to talk a little bit about the real brainchild behind the Alien franchise. Well, mostly just mostly Alien. Uh, That is Dan O'Bannon. He was an interesting person. He was kind of a a wild, wild one. He was uh, from different different things I've read about him and different from different podcasts that have already covered alien because of course this movie is very popular has been covered to death and we're not going to regurgitate every last fact about this movie but um, Dan O'Bannon does need to be mentioned because he is the man who created the general story of alien like everything that you see on screen came from his brain Uh, there's a great documentary about him on Shutter, it's it's about him, but also the making of Alien called Memory, which was actually an I was a pre, it, it was a title for a movie that was very much similar to Alien before Alien. So it's, it's a lot to to take in there. Uh, he also worked alongside John Carpenter on a movie called Dark Star, which came out in the early seventies, which was very much Alien. Uh, before Alien, where it was a beach, it, it was legit. These these astronauts were fighting against an alien that was legit a beach ball. Yeah, I've heard about this. Movie. Heard, yeah, and um, yeah. Dan O'Bannon w- was just trying to kind of get his ideas out there, and he wanted to be a co-writer and a co-director for Dark Star. John Carpenter was like, "Nah, I'm gonna take the solo job." So they kind of had a falling out and it was just trying to get someone to take the story in and, and kind of make it to what it is. And, you know, after a while it ultimately fell into Ridley Scott's lap and, you know, the history is made. I think you have two sides where it's like, it's, you know, a lot of people like to throw most of the credit to Ridley Scott for alien and you can give him a lot of the credit for Alien and maybe the way that it looks. Uh, but a lot of the, I mean, the alien design, of course, and most of the spaceships and or the, the, the ship itself that they go into where they discover the eggs. And most of that, that was all from the brain of O'Bannon and H.R. Geiger. Who, if you look at a lot of H.R. Geiger's early like art like he did a lot of drawings that are very reminiscent to what the xenomorph would turn into. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out his work. It's, it's, it's trippy as hell, but it's very cool looking and, um, very, uh, very sexual. Yes. As, uh, we will, we'll talk about more when we talk about this movie, because this movie is kind of sexual, not in your face, but very subtle Well, in their face. In their face. Yes, legit. In their face. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, like I said, many people have covered this movie. I've listened to many podcasts uh, covering this movie. The most recent, uh, I know that uh, 
Hack the Movies, which is a podcast that I listen to quite a bit. Uh, they He literally covered the entire... Well, he covered up from Alien to Alien 3 right now. But uh, yeah, you can go check out the Hack the Movies episode on Alien, which has our good friend Joe LaScola from Movie Dumpster. He actually joined up for all of the, uh, the Alien reviews, so make sure to go check that out. I'll put those links down below. All right, let's get to the nitty gritty of it. Dan, you are the one who picked this franchise. You're it won the vote between all of our choices. So I'm going to give it to you to start on what. Do you remember the first time you ever saw this movie? Yes, I was actually in. How old was I when I first I was in my early 20s. This first time I watched this movie. Um, however, not my first knowledge of the franchise, but the first time I actually watched it all the way through. I'll talk more about that when we do Aliens um, and Alien 3. But uh, I, it wasn't until way later that I actually seen this, and I've always heard good stuff about it. You know, I, I knew more about Aliens, Alien 3, than I did the first movie. But I always wanted to see it, and I, it's, uh, and I don't want to regurgitate the lines that have been said about this movie many times over. Oh, I don't want to talk about our opinion. We're just talking about our first time. I'm sorry. No, I'm you can talk about, myself. no, talk about your opinion, your first time. It doesn't matter. Just... Tell us okay. your that was Angela and I watched it together. I borrowed it from one of my lab mates. It's back when I worked in a uh, research lab at UNL, and um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's good stuff. It's top tier horror, suspense, sci-fi horror movie. It's I mentioned it in our live thing we did. I don't know if that's it's out now for people to watch. We did a uh, end of the year thing we did. But uh, it, it's it's the atmosphere, the atmosphere, the designs, the characters, the claustrophobia, the bleakness, the the 1970s feel of everything where uh, the way it's shot all looks more real to me. Like I mentioned that, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's almost got like a real grittiness to it, even though it's obviously fictitious and they're in space. But no, it's I love it. I just I just love everything about it, like the lore, everything. So it's it's uh, one of my favorite science fiction films. Angela, that's it. Oh, like you said, we watched it for our first time together. I did know about the the franchise. I don't know why I never watched it though. I was a coward. That's why I didn't watch it. Oh, you were a coward. I still am, but <laughs> um, I can't say anything bad about this movie. I love it. Scott Jonesy. I. MVP yes. of the movie. It's a great shirt. Jonesy. It's a great shirt. For all of our audio <laughs> listeners, Angela's wearing a very cartoonish alien shirt with uh, the xenomorph chasing Jonesy. It's adorable. <laughs> now, the only thing that I hate about this movie is Lambert. Oh, and I don't hate her as a whole. I just hate her scream. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. It's very annoying. Yeah. It, she's probably that the, the character you watch and it's like, oh my God, just please stop. But then you're like, I think most people would probably be like this in this situation or like, yeah. I'm not saying yeah. like the woman would always be like that. Like, no, no, no. I just think there no. would always be that person who is going to, yeah. you, you have the people who have to be strong. They're seeing death or they're seeing things they've never seen before. And you just have this one. It's like, what is that? Like, I don't want to do any of this. This all sounds terrible. Yeah. And they're just very over the top about it. But I mean, it's a pretty terrifying situation to be in. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would never be in space, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. 
I have that that irrational fear of getting lost in space, and I'm like, there, so I'll be okay. <laughs> it's, it's definitely it's terrifying. Worried about running across space spiders and Matt LeBlanc. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Possibly I wouldn't mind Gary running Oldman. into I wouldn't mind running into Matt LeBlanc. He seems like a cool guy. I just talk Spider about Gary I just talk Oldman. about I just talk about friends all the time with him. Just ask him a bunch of friends yeah. questions. I would love to talk to Gary Oldman. Just be like, how awful was it to wear all that makeup to be the bad guy in Hannibal? Have you ever right. seen Hannibal? Oh, I have not. Gary Oldman's uh, in that. And I he, you, I, to be honest, the first couple times I ever saw that movie, I didn't even know it was him because he's just so heavily covered in prosthetics. But we'll talk about Hannibal at another time. Yeah. <laughs> I love Gary Oldman. Um, this movie is one of the greatest science fiction horror movies of all time. Not, I would, I'd say greatest science fiction movie. I put that on its own. Like I would, like you have, you know, your Star Trek and your Star Wars. I would rather watch the Alien franchise. Like I would rather watch these movies. Yeah, is Alien 3 very good? It's not on par with Alien and Aliens, but it's still an enjoyable movie to watch. Alien Resurrection's kind of hit or miss. But like Alien is I think the reason I love alien and this is the same way that I like Terminator more than I like Terminator two is because of the horror aspect. The thing about alien compared to aliens is that alien is a, it's a, it's a, it's a horror movie. Like this is a straight up horror movie where these characters are literally like, you don't see the creature very much. It's very subtle. And when things happen, it's terrifying. Just the, the the way things are shot and the reactions from the, the characters where aliens is more of a, a shoot 'em up. It's it's a, a video game type situation where, you know, these space marines are brought in to, you know, wipe out, you know, a, a swarm of xenomorphs, which we'll talk about more when we cover aliens in a few in a couple of weeks. That's the same thing with Terminator is like Terminator was more of a horror movie to me than when I think T- Terminator 2 was. I think Terminator 2 was a, was pretty scary just for the situation that the T-1000 was horrifying. But like Terminator was just like you have the. You know, I think Sarah Connor and, and Ripley are very much the same. Where at first they're just scared. and They're just like, I, I don't know what to do in this type of situation. And then by the end, they overcome you know, the situation and they ultimately destroyed the, the villain of the, of the, of the, the movie. So that's, I mean, that's ultimately my feelings on alien is I just love the horror aspect of it. I'm just, a, I just love horror. I love the horror genre more than anything. And uh, that's why I have an affection for this more than I do for aliens. It looks so good for a movie that came out in 1979. Like I yeah, watched it, it on yeah. just a, a basic Blu-ray thing that came out in like 2010. I played it on my PlayStation five. Dude, that thing looks so good. I could only, and they just came out with the 4k, uh, version of alien. And I think they're coming out with aliens pretty soon, but I'm like, damn, I could only imagine what the 4k looks like. Cause that looked really good for a 10 year old Blu-ray. Yeah. But just the, the cinematography is fantastic. The miniature work is great. I think, you know, Scott's direction is uh, it's it. This is some of his best work 
and it's you know i feel like it's it's one of those things where he's just it just starts to decline as his career goes along but um and of course dan o'bannon being the brainchild behind this whole story and finally being able to get it on the screen uh unfortunately i just wish that ridley scott would have left it alone when he decided to do prometheus and alien covenant because i think the lore even though we don't get like a huge novel full of lore of of the xenomorph or the the space jockey which would later turn into an engineer i just wish it stayed in that realm of what we got in alien instead of it kind of changing drastically uh, when we get to to prometheus which that'll be an interesting conversation to have when we get there but yeah that's um those are my thoughts on this movie so this was of course directed by ridley sky as i said uh screenplay was done by dan o'bannon and ronald uh suset who was actually the he was the one who came out with the came up with the idea to do the chest bursting because dan o'bannon wrote a script he got stuck at a certain point and he needed help and ronald suset i guess who he was staying with at the time uh when he was writing the script or when he was just writing the story he he was hanging out and he's like hey why don't you have you know the alien like because he was trying to figure out like where would the how would the alien get onto the ship he's like well why don't you know that's where he come they come up with the uh face hugger idea and then it's like well where would the alien come out of and it's like well why does it come out of the chest and ultimately we got we can thank Ronald for the chest bursting scene, which is one of the most iconic scenes in cinematic history, not just horror or sci-fi or even the alien franchise. But we got Tom Skerritt, who plays the captain Dallas, who I, I kind of modeled myself after, not on purpose. But we got Sigourney Weaver as Ripley. So funny thing, you guys, uh, you, one of your your children is named after a character from a video game that was named after the director of this movie. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Which yes. is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I always thought that that, that the villain from what, what's the video game series? Oh, it's Metroid Metroid. His Jesus. First, why his first and middle name are both from that game. Yes, they are. I, I always thought that it was Ripley. I did not know until somebody, I think Johnny blue yelled at me on Twitter. It's like, no, it's Ridley. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, it's Ridley. I always thought it was Ripley. And I was like, Oh, it's named after, you know, Ripley from aliens. Like, no. Okay. Well, I was very wrong. Um, right. <laughs> we got Veronica Cartwright as Lambert, who is the navigator of the Nostromo, which is the ship that the, this entire crew is on. And then we have two characters, which I, think is hilarious because there's two characters where both their names combined is my name. (laughs) We have Harry Dean Stanton as Brett and we have uh, Yafet Koto as Parker, (laughs) which when I first saw this movie as a kid, I was like, what? (laughs) Why do they keep (laughs) saying my name? (laughs) We have John Hurt as Kane. We have Ian Holm, uh, Bilbo Baggins, the original Bilbo Baggins from the Lord of the Rings trilogy as Ash, one of the biggest douchebags in cinematic history. Ah! Uh, yeah, totally. 
And then uh, we have uh, Balaji Badejo, who played the Xenomorph. He's a very tall person. 6'10". Yeah, yeah. I would say he was... And he was seven foot feet. when he was in the costume. And then uh, the voice of Mother was played by Helen Horton, which you always got to have the, the evil. I would say, I mean, Mother is definitely evil. She, I mean... Is she, though? Realistically, is her and Ash really um, evil? I just think because I mean no, that was it was just all programming. It was they were programmed to to do the the things to, to do these things. Of course, um, the Nostromo was owned by um, um, what's the name of the company? Why am I Whalen Yutani? Whalen Yutani. And I just think that you know this whoever created the. the created them the ceo of of uh of the company programmed them to because of course you get which we'll get to when we we go through the plot of uh yeah this everything was planned from the beginning the i mean i don't think the outcome of the movie was ultimately planned by the company but what they were sidetracked to do was planned by the company and of course the uh our, our good friend Ash. He is a sleeper agent. Mm-hmm. He's a cyborg. Mm-hmm. This takes place in the year 2120. So I looked it up. It said 2122, but when you go into the menu of this movie, it says 2120. So I don't know what year this is supposed to be, but it's around 100 years from now. <laughs> this movie had a budget of $11 million dollars. It grossed one hundred and eighty four point seven million dollars for in nineteen seventy nine. That's a that's a success and more. And the craziest thing is that it took seven years to get a sequel. Which is crazy. I'm, su- I'm surprised that uh, they gave they put so much bank behind this movie. It was a good chunk of change back in the late 70s for a sci fi movie, sci fi horror film. Yeah. And I mean, I guess Fox just had the. They, I guess, they just had the faith in the script, and of course, getting Ridley Scott, I think, um, got him on board. I know that there was an original director of the movie that dropped out like last second. Like Ridley Scott was not somebody they had planned from the beginning. It was within a a week or so of them starting to shoot the movie that they that the original director was like, "Yeah, I'm. I got another job that I feel is going to be more successful." I'm gonna. I'm. I don't think I'm gonna do this. And so they were like scrambling, and they, um, they got Ridley Scott. So, which turned out to be pretty damn okay. Yeah. Yeah. This movie was released May twenty fifth, nineteen seventy nine, and in the UK it was released September sixth, nineteen seventy nine. It's funny when a movie is made mostly by people from the UK, and yet the movie they get the movie later. It was inducted into the uh, National Film Registry in 2002. It got a director's cut in 2003, which I didn't watch because I looked it up to see which version of this movie was better to watch. And they just most of it was if you want the strict horror kind of eeriness, the 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 way Alien was originally seen, watch the original version, which the 1979 theatrical version, Uh, I guess that the director's cut was they added they cut down a lot of the long drawn out like tracking shots 
and mm-hmm. they added they so they cut that down and then they added like more fast paced action to it to kind of have that more of an aliens feel to it. And I'm that's not why I watch this movie. I, that's why I watch Aliens is for that feel. Like I want my yeah. horror feel with this movie. Of course, as we will cover in the for the next like six seven weeks, uh, there's a lot of sequels. There's spinoffs. There's alien. There's two Alien versus Predator movies. There's five Alien technically movies that are called Alien. You have Alien, Aliens. Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, Alien Covenant. Then you have a prequel. A movie that originally wasn't going to be an Alien prequel, but then turned out to be an Alien prequel. The 2012 Prometheus. <sighs> Just so much Alien. Oh, and there's comic books, video games. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, toys. I mean, and uh, this was the movie that really put Sigourney Weaver on the map. I mean, she would later go on to do Ghostbusters in 1984. She would do Aliens in 1986 and many, many more movies down, you know, throughout her career. And she is fantastic in this. Do you guys have uh, anything else you want to add before we jump into this plot? No. No, not at all. Sorry. Already. Here we go. So this movie opens to a beautiful shot of space. So much space. And the uh, fantastic music by Jerry Goldsmith as... I love the opening of this because of the fact that it, the alien logo s- slowly forms up on the top. Yes. As you, as you get that really kind of eerie music playing. Uh, of course you get like the old school credits, which I miss that movies do this. I wish movies would do opening credits like this to kind of give you like it, Cause it kind of builds to something you like, you're not sure what's gonna, what to expect, especially if you're somebody in the theater in 1979, just like, what is this movie is just called alien. Like, I mean, I guess I should expect aliens in this movie, but what exactly am I getting? No. We get, we see this beautiful shot of a ship go by. Uh, beautiful. This movie's miniature work is phenomenal. Like the detail, like I'm just going to iterate many times throughout this talk that this movie came out in 1979. And the fact that they've like, I mean, I know that like, 2001 a space odyssey came out 10 or 11 years before and that movie for the the year that that came out looked phenomenal uh for what they were able to do but oh man i just miss this miniature work you know we got it with star wars two years before we got it with this um just the shot of the nostromo going by it's and it's carrying that sweet sweet mineral ore Mm -mm, yum gotta get that money we get the uh, eerie sweeping shots throughout the ship. You get to see every kind of pretty much the playground of, you know, of our characters throughout the movie. You get the really cool shot of the helmet that's sitting on the top. It's an it says emergency helmet and you get the computer screen that turns on and it reflects off the helmet yeah. uh, as it's like computing. And then this when we go into a room where there's um Oh, as they call cryo chambers mm-hmm. that uh, open up and our crew is awake. They all hang out in the, um, the rec room or the, the cafeteria or whatever you want to call it. They're hanging out. They're eating the food. They talk about how terrible the food is. Like they talk about it throughout the entire movie about how like the, the yeah. food sucks. 
<laughs> but at least the coffee's good. <laughs> yeah. Hey, important part. I mean, if you've been without coffee for that long, it would I believe anything would taste good. Right. And it, it, I don't remember if there was uh, an exact amount of time they said that they were asleep for. All I know is that we find out later how long it's going to take to get back to Earth because they find I out. I just that, assume that it's roughly that that amount of time. Yeah, because they said they're halfway from where they had taken where they got the mineral yeah. ore from. So t- 10 months, yeah. we'll say. Um, and you get. Yeah, so you meet all your characters. You meet Brett and Parker, which I'm going to say it that way the whole movie, just because we keep saying my name like an egotistical douchebag. Um, <laughs> they're just hell bent on getting this bonus. Like they're just like talking about getting a bonus. Like, uh, so you know, hey Dallas, because Dallas is the captain. He's like, what about the bonus? He's like, dude, you guys signed a contract. You guys know what you're gonna get. Stop asking about the damn bonus. You get what you get. But that's all they care about. Space truckers, dude. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are the guys that, I mean, these are the engineers. So they're the guys that make sure that the ship is in tip top shape to get them back home. So they always, they, it's it's one of those things where they're like, well, uh, you know, if we don't get what we want, we can just stop doing our job. And it's like, well, if you stop doing your job or don't do your job, you don't get anything. And they're like, oh, well, we don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> But Dallas gets told by Ash that mother wants to talk to him. So we get the cool shot of him going into like this chamber um, where, you know, he is just a bunch of shots of him typing on a keyboard and then a little tiny screen. I don't know how he sees it. I'm like, how the hell did I play video games on a 19 inch screen? And now I'm like looking at like <laughs> 70 inches like, yeah. is this big enough? Like. <laughs> I love I love like 70s and 80s future tech. Oh, so cool. It's it's so cool. It's so awesome. Ooh, Everything's like LCD screens and shit. They're just like like old LCD like clock LCD screens, not like nowadays. It's it's awesome. We were talking yesterday about how um everybody was getting larger TVs. That's why I asked how big our TV was cuz Shane and Tanya just got a huge 75-inch TV. It's always going up some shit. We were picking at my dad because they upsized their TV. I did too. <laughs> you, you can get them cheap as fuck. Dude. I don't I see why like, not. TV, so your dad would stop asking what it says, and he's like, I still have to ask what it says. I mean, I, can get like a, I, got a 70, I got a 70-inch TV for like 450 bucks. Exactly. I was about to say, oh. yeah. Like they're super cheap, bro. But he's like, he's like, I think they make it smaller on purpose. I wish it was that cheap to get a bigger dick. Oh. <laughs> Had to get one. Had to get one. Had to get it. Hey, uh, you you see boobs? Yeah, I know. It's yeah. like there's some like there's some like bleed through. We'll get to, we'll get to that oh. scene. <laughs> So the crew when they're waking, but when they're waking up, you see she's got tape over her nipples. You see boobs. You oh, just I, don't I, see her I guess I just completely wasn't. I was just paying attention to the diaper that Kane's wearing. <laughs> my wife's was. like, my wife's like, that doesn't look like whitey. Those are some very loose whitey tighties he's got on. <laughs> yeah, they probably had. To, I mean, if they were asleep for that long, they that, had to wear diapers. <laughs> that shot though of Kane when he gets out and he's like. He's like stretching himself like, wow, this is a long shot. Like they are just aiming at him for a good 30 seconds. 
They want to. Yes. They want you to soak it in. See what they're going through. So the crew is trying to figure out why they aren't where they're supposed to be. So they all woke up thinking they were pretty much home, but then they find out they're like ten months away from home. Uh, the reason they're <laughs> awake is because they got a distress. Well, uh, they got a signal from a possible life source, or it was a distress call, and they are told that they have to answer the distress call. They have to investigate the distress call. Yeah, it's like part of their contract, isn't it? Like yes, because they- this is where Parker complains about like well i could just stop doing my job and it's like well if you don't you know it says in your contract you have to do this so if you don't do it you don't get any money and he's like well well uh i like money so i guess i'm gonna have to do this so we get another uh beautiful shot another beautiful miniature shot of the ship which is called the narcissist or narcissus it's the nostromo no, no, the big ship is the Nostromo. Oh, the big ship. The the small okay, ship that the they go ship. on, that they go to the okay, planet right. on, I is forgot. the uh, Narcissus. I uh, forgot it was two separate names. I did not know until I watched that documentary that the smaller ship had a name. Hey, I got a question real quick. Yeah. For your documentary, did they mention the one film I talked about? It's a lot like Alien from the 50s, It, The Terror yes, from Beyond Space. Yes, they did. That was the first one they mentioned. That was like the big yeah. one. That yeah. I mean, they they talked about in that documentary the fact that Alien is not general, not to say a ripoff, but like he, Dan O'Bannon, that was, those were the movies he watched as a kid were those. And so a lot of the influence, I mean, I mean, the original thing, uh, thing from another world that Mm -hmm. is very, you got to think it's very similar to, to Alien in a way. I mean, Alien is very similar to that, you know, so yeah, it's, it's just. It's the same. It's like it's not a new idea. It's just how it was executed. Exactly. So, yeah, we get the beautiful miniature shot of the smaller ship being sent down to investigate the distress call. And um, we get the very like. So this is these were shots that in the director's cut, they kind of trimmed down. So we get a very long shot of the ship landing on the planet. It's 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 a long shot. But it gives you the the look at the environment around of like what type of place they are going to and what we might possibly see. And it all goes wrong because they uh, one of the legs. just It's one of those things where like if you step on a Lego and your foot's just like, oh, you break your ankle. Well, this this ship broke its ankle. It's like, oh, no. And then everything is just fucking. I don't know how this landing, um, how it landed wrong. Like it was, it was coming in real slow and then it lands on that rocket. It breaks. And then everything inside is just, just everything. I'm like, what is happening? How does that work? My leg. <laughs> it's like when you do just walking regularly and somehow your ankle just gives out. I'm assuming that's what it is. <laughs> or like, your knees no just like, issue. we don't want to, we don't want to function properly. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're done. <laughs> Computer error. It's like, it's like me when I step in my, ankle spasm or my foot spasms and yeah. i'm like it's like rip <laughs> it's like not yes. today satan um yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's a hull breach and you're like how does that work but whatever plot so they need to fix the ship and they are told it's going to take 25 hours so they got a lot of time in their hand to go out and investigate this planet Ash uh, watches on as Dallas, Lambert, and Kane, they go outside, and Ash is just weird. You always get the weird vibes from him. You always kind of pick up on things early with him. 
like the whole thing like he's sitting in the chair and they're just like ash do you read us and he's just like he's like waving at him weird and he's like i see you like i was like what (laughs) he's an odd one uh brett and parker just be talking about getting more shares see they're literally in the you get the scene where they're in the brett parker and uh ripley are in the hallway yeah i've told you i'm gonna do it uh they're in the hallway and they got like all the steam is shooting out, which you you're not gonna stand next to steam like that because it'll burn you. But no. sure, why not? But they're yelling at Ripley about getting more shares, and like you know what you're gonna get, you know how much you're gonna get. And then they're just like, <laughs> then she's just like, why don't you just shut the fuck up? And then she walks. She's like, I'm yep, gonna be yep. at the bridge if you need me. And then he turns off the steam, so it was all planned of him try them trying to manipulate her and try to get some information they want to hear, but they don't get anything out of it. Or no, she tells him to fuck off, which is just, it's so good. Uh, Ash gets the distress call and he asks Ripley to decipher it, to help him decipher it. What is her job? What is her actual job on the ship? She is the warrant officer. I don't know what that means. Issuing space warrants. Okay. Sure. All I know is that when Dallas and Kane are not on the ship, she's in charge because she mentions that. So they we then go back down to the three crew, uh, three members that are venturing uh, on the planet and they discover a ship. There's just a ship in the distance, which is another beautiful miniature work. Well, actually, I think this shot must I think is a map painting of like so. the, the distance. But once they get a little bit closer it's uh it's actually a miniature but um i i forgot to mention it there the the shot earlier where it shows dallas lambert and kane kind of going down off the ship that was ridley scott's kids they want they needed to make them look small like they needed yeah. to make them look to scale so they yeah. had his he had his kids dress up in the spacesuits to kind of get the scaling right is really cool i think sense. they also use them when they get close to the alien ship as well uh yeah and then ash loses contact with them as they go in because it's a it's an, it's an alien spacecraft so it fucks with the the signaling and it's an awesome design it's more uh geiger design uh of the ship they go through and then that's when they just they go into the big room where they discover the space jockey which mm-hmm. the space jockey design is so cool. I just wish Ridley Scott left it alone <laughs> because he changes the lore in Prometheus to where this space jockey is a pre human. Like it's the thing that humans come from and it's wearing yeah. a suit where if you look at this, sh- you, you watch this movie and you see the space jockey when they get close to it, it looks like a creature because mm-hmm. Dallas talks about how it's 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 been dead a while and it's like fossilized. So it's literally like formed to the chair. Yeah. And you can see like the teeth inside. It kind of looks like it looks like it's got like an elephant trunk on it or something. Yeah. Um, It's a really cool design. I just wish Ridley Scott just left it alone. Put the big put the dick down, dude. I know. And it, they look at it and they see that the the bones, the the rib bones have come out and they're like, well, something burst out of its chest. That's ultimately what killed it. Um, also, this guy, the only guy here, like there was nobody else. Right. Don't worry. There was more people. We just 
We'll find that out later. It's just a shit job. This dude gets put on one planet because he did dis he disobeyed one direct order. Ship him off this junk jank outpost. You're yep. staying there, Fred, by yep. yourself. Yeah. Oh, can you watch these eggs for me too? They uh yeah. <laughs> even though they look like sex toys, they're not sex toys. Fred, keep your dick out of the alien egg, okay? Veronica Cartwright was in the documentary and she literally was like the first time I ever saw the eggs. I was like, that looks like a vagina. Well, that's, that makes <laughs> I mean, that's the ultimately the symbolism and the the imagery of what Geiger and O'Bannon were kind of going for was the fact that it's like very it's very sexual. Like a lot of the things that have to do with the the alien uh it, it just it gives off that sexual I mean we'll get we'll get to more of of those of that imagery as we get on. But um yeah, Kane discovers the hole and they send him down the hole, which I guess you could you could say is another sexual thing. You know, he's just inserting himself into a hole which has eggs inside. That's true, that's true. Into the chamber, the egg chamber. Yeah. So we then go back to the uh the the ship where Ripley tells Ash she's like, This isn't a distress call. This was a warning. He's like, all right, whatever. Yeah, Ash likes whatever. to, yeah. Ash likes to just kind of sweep things under the rug, and she's like, "Well, I gotta go tell them." She's, he's like, "Whoa, whoa you're not gonna have time." You know, by the time you get out there to tell tell them about it, they're gonna know about it. So, what's the point? So, again, where you're like, mm, something is fishy about Ash. So, Kane gets lowered into the hole. And he discovers that there's eggs under like this really, I love the, the, like the laser over like the laser barrier that's over the eggs. Yeah. It's cool with the, the steam, the fog and stuff. Yeah. Super cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He gets lowered into that and then he slips and falls like into the pit where all the eggs are. And that's where you, you first see the egg and then you kind of see like his light shine through the egg where you can see that there's something inside and he notifies him. Oh, there's something, you know, something moving. And then, uh, it opens up and what you first see is just raw chicken. Like yep. that's what they used for the makes sense. That sack there. And that's then, what vagina looks like. That's fine. Yeah. And there's always chicken inside. <laughs> <laughs> was not a real vagina. They're never that wet. Whoa! <laughs> I just can't. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. Just a joke. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not cutting anything out anymore. Um, Please, just keep it in. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, every, something moves inside the egg and then something lunges at Kane's helmet. He falls over and then it kind of pans out to the outside of the ship, which I like that. I didn't, we don't need to see like him struggling with the thing on it. It's like you, it's all up to your imagination. What's going to happen next. The less information we have, the better. Exactly. So they make it back to the ship, but Ridley, she's Rip, Ridley, Ripley. I mean, Ridley's directing, you know, he's doing his thing, but Ripley, she's following order. She is, she's by the book. She's following the rules. And, can't you know, come in, dude. Yeah, you can't come in. Yeah. He's could be, you know, Kane could be contaminated. And Dow's like, well, I'm the captain. You let us in. She's like, I'm not doing it. And of course, fucking douchebag Astro's like, door's open. Oh, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> like, quarantine. Fuck quarantine. Yeah, you stupid fucker. Uh, they remove 
Uh, they then bring Kane into the infirmary, and um, they are like, what the hell is that? It literally, like, goes through the glass of his helmet and attaches itself to its face, and the way that they cut it, it just, it was weird. It's like, how does that make any sense? Like, because I feel like, wouldn't there still be plastic, like, pressed onto his face from on top of or underneath the face hugger the way that it like kind of goes onto his helmet like it didn't go well, under his helmet it went on top of it and it like pushed in uh unless it i don't know that's a great question because you'd think with it because the theory or i don't know if they mentioned this in the movie i can't remember is it burned a hole with its acid or saliva yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever to, to get through it but in theory, yeah, wouldn't there be like burn marks on his face yeah. as it came out? Because because realistically, why would the the face hugger care as long as the wood in, injuries it's doing to him aren't fatal? Right, because it needs to be alive. It scars its face. Yeah, yeah, who gives a shit if it scars? But its also, face. they don't know that they, it has acid blood yet until they try to cut it, and that's yep, when it exactly. So like, they don't know that it could have been acid that. I don't I don't know. It it always confused me when I saw like the way that the face hugger was on his face with yep. the helmet on. Because the way they yep. cut it off, I was like, there's gotta be stuff underneath there, right? But yeah. But Ash is very hesitant to to take off the, the face hugger. Like he kind of wants to put him in like a he puts him in like this incubator thing to kind of figure something out. And then Dallas is like, nah, you gotta you gotta take this thing off. And he's like, All right, well, it's your call. Like, do it. So, Ash takes, tries to cut it off, and that's when they figure out that it has acid for blood because it squirts onto the floor. And I love that it doesn't, we don't just get the shot of it going through just that floor. We're like, oh, it's it's got acid blood. They're like, oh, shit, this stuff's going to burn through the whole ship. We got to keep going. So, like, they're going down every level to, like, see, like, oh, my God. Like, it went all the way down until it gets to a point where it kind of like it's the acidity kind of goes away. That's why I is love it. Like, is it like seven floors, six floors? Yeah. Six layers it was like the whole, almost the whole ship. Yeah. They had to stop it before it like compromised the, the ship. I love it when Dallas takes this, takes up uh, Brett's pen and like takes some of it. He's like, Oh, it's like it, it stopped. It like stopped. Yep. The acidity of it is, is not as, as bad. So it like stopped burning through and then he gives the pen back he's like oh yeah what am i supposed to do with this i love how this is just a perfect representation of like these people's regard for foreign contamination yeah it's like like, you just care there's some unknown organisms body fluid on this pen here have it back yeah have it aside acid aside yeah so uh brett and parker continue to fix the ship and they're just like, we got to fix this ship or we get to, we got to get the fuck out of here. Like, I don't like we just got to do what we got to do and get the hell out of here. Ash and Ripley have a little conversation about the protocol that it was broken. I like the ashes doing. He's like studying the uh, the face hugger and uh, Ripley comes in and asks questions about it. And he's kind of you could tell he's being very um, secretive about stuff and some. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where he he knows more than what he's actually telling her. And yeah. she's like, what is it? And he's like, uh, I don't know. And then he's like, do you need something? She's like, no, I just want to know. And then she grills him for breaking protocol. And he's like, well, you know, we got to do, what we got to do. And she's like, 
I don't like you. You suck. <laughs> so Ash, uh, t- Ash tells Dallas that he's got to come check out Kane because Kane is, or the facehugger had come off of Kane's face. I'm like, well, where the hell is it? And this is where we get the the jump scare where they're looking around the room and they got like the poles and stuff like that. And then the facehugger kind of just falls from the ceiling onto Ripley and she gets scared. Well, at first you think it's alive, but then it like falls upside down and it's dead. And um, the visual, uh, um, the practical effects of this movie are amazing. The detail of like when they, when they're examining the face hugger, like every little detail of all the flaps that they're looking under and like the, it just looks real. Like it's terrifying how real this thing looks. Dallas uh, or Ash wants to study it. Dallas is like, sure. Why not? You're part of the science division. Sure. And Ripley's like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> like, why? We're just, we're, everything is wrong. We're, this isn't right. This is all going to turn out bad. And he's like, well, he's in the science division. Like, you don't have any say on that. Like, we got to figure out what this is. W- what's it to you? He's like, we got to go. You know, he asks about like, how how much of the ship is fixed and it's like good enough we can go back to the Nostromo and so that's what they do and Ripley continues to be very sus about Ash so they fix it uh, so they get back to the Nostromo Kane they pretty much have this conversation which then they completely ignore where they talk about the fact that Kane needs to quarantine and then they're like Kane's awake well, fuck the quarantine. They go and hang out with Kane. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm oh talking about. Like, nobody has rules for this. I'm like, wait, None. what? <laughs> yeah, so they, they give it Kane. Kane, you know, is like, oh, yeah, it feels, you know, I feel okay. I feel definitely better than I did, um, you know. And uh, they talk about how they are 10 months away from Earth. Like, that's how long it's going to take. So they're pretty much... They're like, okay, well, we got to go back into the cryo chambers. uh, And then by the time we wake up, we'll be home. Uh, But let's have one more meal. We don't want to go to bed hungry. So they go to the best hall. Kane says something about being hungry. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm hungry. He's like, can we have like one more meal before we go to bed? Yeah, we can't go to bed hungry. So they go. Yeah. So they go to the mess hall and they are, you know, enjoying the food. And everybody's just having their normal conversation. I don't know how people can have conversations like this. Everyone is fucking talking at the same time. How does anyone know the hell anyone's talking about here? It's like a fucking lunch room. It's like a school cafeteria, dude. Yes. Literally everyone in this crew is talking at the same time. There's no way anyone knows what the hell is happening. But as uh, Kane is eating, he starts to suddenly like react to something. It's like it's kind of at first you think he's choking. And so that's what they kind of react to. Like, oh, Kane's choking. We've got to help him. And then he just starts to, to convulse. And um, that's where you get the 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 first shot out of his chest. It's just the blood. Yeah, there's that little, like, jump and there's blood. Yeah. So there was, before I watched the documentary, I was always told and what I read and what I when I used to watch things on this movie was the fact that, like, the crew had no knowledge of like what was going to happen with the chest bursting scene, like the, the actors. 
Veronica Veronica Cartwright stated that that wasn't true, that they knew that the chest bursting scene was going to happen. They just didn't know how intense it was going to be like the blood and like exactly when things were going to happen. But when it shows, so the chest burster uh, comes out one time and it doesn't break through the shirt at first. That was initially was the first attempt of them trying to get it out. So there was, uh, one of the the designers was underneath the like the table with this little with this alien on a fucking stick just and he would literally just poke it through the table well the first time the initial plan was to have it go through the shirt on the first try but it didn't work and so he had to do it again and they decided to keep the first attempt in to make it look cool. So like you see the shirt go up and then the shirt comes up and then the blood just goes everywhere. And Veronica Cartwright was like, the thing that caught me off guard was how much blood was going to hit me. And it hit me straight in the face. And it was, yep. She said she, there was actually showed this, the, the take where she, <laughs> there was so much blood on the, like the fake blood on the floor that she slipped and fell and then had to like get up and get back into the shot because she, she slipped out of frame. <laughs> oh, boy, it's gosh. hilarious to watch, but they like they're That's literally funny. just like it's literally really sky like more blood, more blood, pump more blood. It's just just erupting out of Kane's chest. It's great. That reminds that reminds me of what God was it the first Friday the Thirteenth where fuck is I think it's when yeah it is it's it's when it's when Kevin Bacon gets stabbed at the neck and it was supposed to. They're gonna push the thing, and blood was gonna come out. Yeah, but it fucked up Tom Savini and his other guy was down there, so he just had to blow on yeah. it and just kind of and it hit Kevin Bacon in the face. You see him flinch just a little bit when the blood <laughs> hits his face. Yeah, uh, I love that they mentioned Friday the Thirteenth and the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. I haven't seen that somehow. I don't want to spoil it for you. Um, but yeah, this I mean, this was a scene that took the longest to shoot i believe um they literally were talking about the fact that uh john hurt had to literally lay in the same position for like hours upon hours to the point where like they were like to make him happy we would just get him a bunch of we would just give him wine and cigarettes to kind of you know keep him at you know keep him calm and it's it's crazy how movies are made yep so yeah, so um, the the chest burst burst out. I love the it's so adorable. It's so goofy looking now. If you, you know, watching it now, but like it's like you know it looks around, and then uh, I love though that they did get the the little detail of it opening its mouth, which I was like that makes it a little bit more real than if it was just like that goofy thing and it just like just runs off. Yeah, I always get reminded of Spaceballs when I see this yeah. scene because of the- <laughs> a lot of the special. It's so check good. please yeah. And it's in fact John Hurt as well in that yes. too. Yep. Yeah, so good. So yeah, I mean the the thing is, is like the so the the cast knew about what was gonna happen, but their actual reactions to when it actually happens is genuine. Like everybody's face, like, what the fuck? It's all genuine. Yeah, yeah. And it's great. And then the the alien runs off and they're like, Well, we gotta find this thing. So the At least it doesn't sing ragtime gal. <laughs> hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. Send me a kiss, my wife. 
baby, my heart's on fire. <laughs> so the crew needs to plan on how they're going to catch the alien and kill it. They all kind of have like a, a little meeting. Uh, oh, 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 they also shoot Kane's dead body into space. I'm just like, it's it's so goofy too because it's like it's not just like it shoots it out it literally shoots out it looks like a, a football that got kicked it's going through the goalposts it's just flipping off bye Kane <laughs> it's good <laughs> bye Kane uh, Ripley Brett and Parker are grouped up to try to track the alien and this is the device did you guys play alien isolation no, I know, I know a little bit about it, but I've never played it. So I think the device that she uses is like the pre the it's like the pre model to the model you use in that game to like track the to see where the alien is. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what it is. That scanner tool yeah. or whatever. Um. So yeah, they're trying to find the alien, but instead they find Jonesy the cat. Yeah. My, my wife's like, "There's a cat? You got a cat?" I was like, "Yeah, they gotta have something to keep him the you know keep him sane." Jonesy. Yeah, it's Jonesy. Yeah. Well, at first they just call him Jones. Well, Brett calls him Jones. But then it's Jonesy for the rest of the movie. Fuck yeah, it is. But yeah, so the cat runs off. And so Ripley's like, we got to get the cat because we're just going to track the cat again. So we need to get the cat so that it doesn't interfere with us trying to get this alien. So Brett gets sent to to find uh, to find Jonesy. And uh, yeah, it's just it's this ship is terrifying. Like, yes, it is. They go into the Cenobites' lair from Hellraiser. Like, why are there just yep. chains hanging from the ceiling? Water. What is happening? Where's the water coming from? <laughs> I, my assumption is it's some kind of, it's some kind of like an evaporation area, like a coolant area, like runoff from like a like a set, like a HVAC system. You know, like the centralized climate control, like the water runs out there, or whatever is a cooling reactor. I don't know why you just let that shit go, but. I don't know what power source they use. I don't know. Just assumed it was the drool from the. No, oh, no, it's just it, you, there is some of that later, but it's just rain initially. So you want to know why they added like water they... to this? So we're questioning like why is there water here? And they literally were just like, it looked cool. No, absolutely. That's literally what they fun. did. They're like, why? Like what would like they created the whole thing? Like just have like water dripping out. It's really cool scene and everything they're like well why where would the water be coming from they're in space he's like who cares it just looks cool that's literally the reason why the water is in that scene it's great it was everybody sweating yeah. everybody was sweating it's not top gun of predator it's <laughs> it's fine. Not, they were, nothing will I mean, ever they be were sweating a lot does the land explorer set sing that song it's like rain yes it's, it's yeah that's what i think of now and <laughs> i just i just doomed myself oh lord so yeah, and um, Brett runs into the alien, and it's a lot bigger. This thing grew so fast; it's unreal how fast it grows. It goes from this little tiny thing. Like how long between? What is the time frame between it bursting out of cane to when Brett runs into it? Can't be that long. Probably an hour. I will say, even though you don't like what they do with it in Prometheus, I think that explains a lot of why the xenomorph is the way it is because of that explanation. All right. When we get to that movie, we'll have to dig deeper into it because I'm kind of like, I don't know. All I know is that Alien what? Covenant just fucking. About it. <laughs> um, no, no, I know. It's, it's, but no, no, just. Just what's in the movie? We'll talk. Like I said, we'll talk about it later. Go ahead. But yeah, it grows fast. Dude. It gets in that miracle grow or it eats the Twinkies oh or something. Oh, my God. I don't know. 
space Twinkies. So this is where we get the shot of the alien's head, which is such a great design. I love the how, how it like it's got like the the shit pouring out of its mouth, and of course it's got the little mouth inside, which then punctures Brett in the chest. I yeah, think it was his chest. Yeah, with his little baby mouth. And uh, you get the. I just love that while Brett's screaming in the background, you just get the shot of Jonesy kind of cowering in the corner. Yep. Yeah, because he's like, "I'm not gonna hurt you." Doesn't Jonesy hiss? Yeah, he like, yes. he's like hissing and stuff, and he's like, "Poor Jonesy, he's got that little black thing on his nose." Jonesy. I like Jonesy. Jonesy's dope as fuck. MVP. <laughs> Jonesy for president. <laughs> Space president. Well, how 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 bad could it be? Um, <laughs> so they find out that the alien is using the uh, air ducts throughout the ship to travel around and they decide that they need to fight it with fire and so Parker gets tasked with building a flamethrower which at one point the wife's like ooh a flamethrower in space on a spaceship that probably doesn't right. that's probably not going to end well <laughs> an, an oxygenated compressed yeah. compartment <laughs> Yeah, yeah let's good. make a let's make a flamethrower, and it it sounded cool. Yeah, oh like yeah, like the water. It it's it's cool. not gonna. I mean, there's no way that he doesn't want to own a flamethrower. Hmm? Yeah, he doesn't want to own a flamethrower. Hell, Elon Musk let you buy him. I mean, some of the best sci-fi movies have flamethrowers in it. I mean, the thing, a few years later, has the cool flamethrower scenes. Flamethrowers are cool. Uh, yeah. So I them? also put. I was like, build it, and it will burn. That's true. Dallas uh, tries to get assistance from mother, and she literally is like, I can't help you. I can't compute. Don't have sufficient information. Like, you're useless. Peter just says, lol, get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. You Thank suck. Ash is the man. You're like, oh, no, there's something <laughs> sus about you. <laughs> so Dallas... That ain't right. <laughs> Dallas ventures into the air ducts, and... You get Lambert and Parker kind of sitting on the outside. She's got the tracker uh, to try to, you know, to track him, but also to like, tell him where the alien is because she can track it. And he gets to a certain spot where the alien is, but like she's like, he's right there. Like it's, I don't know how you can't see it. And he's just like, I don't know. I do love the shots though of every time they open one of those compartments, how they open and shut between the yeah. the, the air ducts. Yes. And that's when, uh, you know, Dallas is kind of just shooting the shooting the flamethrower in different directions, throwing it down, like just to, just in case it's somewhere around. But then she gets another indicator down at the end of the air duct going towards him, and she's like, "And I gotta give Veronica Cartwright credit because this scene, I mean, her reaction to it, like she knows he's gonna die, like she's like." It's right there. It's coming towards you. And she's like crying because yeah. she's like, yeah, he's dead. And uh, this is where you get the scene where he's like, give me a hug. <laughs> the yeah. alien comes out of the shadows. I love Bro it. Hug. I yeah. love this alien design. I love the fact that it's it's a it's a guy in a suit and it's a very simplistic body design. Um, you know, of course, they would get more sophisticated as the franchise would go along. But I, I love the look of the xenomorph in this movie. It's just it's great. I mean, this scene is funny as hell because it's like it's literally like hug me. <laughs> I well, just want to be hugged. 
Maybe they're just the the aliens form of greeting people is by giving them smooches, but it just does it wrong. Yeah, it, it doesn't know. It's a it's still a baby. It's only a few yeah. hours old. It doesn't know. So the flamethrower is found, but there's no Dallas and there's no indication he was killed because it literally like there was no blood. We we found the flamethrower and that was that was about it. So I'm guaranteed. So I'm I'm just guessing that the alien hugged him and just carried him off. Just rocked him to sleep. Yeah, and then he ate him later. It's like, oh, this is so comfortable. It's like, all right, now I'm gonna put you in my oven. <laughs> my bio, my biomechanical oven. It's like Hansel and Gretel. Hansel, Hansel, and Gretel. Hansel. Um, <laughs> Deep cut for people who get that reference. Yeah. I get it. So Ripley is now in charge because Kane and Dallas are dead. Mm-hmm. So they have to come up with another plan on like they need to find the the alien and they need to kill it like they've once and for all like she is hellbent on stopping this thing i love how she gives so much sass to ash she's like you're gonna actually do something because you're kind of useless he's just like yep sure ripley finds out that uh she goes into talk to mother and finds out that everything that is happening was planned Pretty much it states that they were supposed to go to the the alien planet, find the specimen, bring the specimen back. And then the final thing was crew is expendable, which is just a lovely thing to see. (laughs) And she, of course, Ash is just fucking sneaks in on her and she gets pissed at him. And, you know, the whole fact of like he's behind it, too. And she, you know, she's clearly upset and she should be yeah ash ends up throwing ripley around and you're just like how is he able to do this she's a grown-ass woman and he's tossing her with one arm and he's and ian holm not a very big man (laughs) and then uh you get the whole thing where he's kind of tweaking out and she's like she's passed out he throws her on like a bed and then he rolls up the the magazine and he's kind of he's becoming more robotic and he's and he rolls up the magazine then just like sho- another very sexual uh you know innuendo here is him shoving the fucking magazine into her mouth to try she's to choke her out and uh you know something yeah and then you know something's up i mean <laughs> i mean you know something's up with ash but you it just like as the scene progresses you're like oh what the fuck is gonna happen next i'm all all of this perception that i'm speaking of is for somebody who's never seen this movie before not me i i clearly know what the outcome of it is but um, yeah, Parker and Lambert come to rescue Ripley from getting choked out by a magazine and Ash is able to hold them back as he's continuing to do it to the point where I think I think Parker's the one who hits him first that knocks his head. Like yeah, his it's with like off. a CO2 tank or yeah. oxygen tank or something like that. And that's where like, he's an android. He's a robot. Yeah. Like and he's got the 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 milk shit just squirting yeah. everywhere. You're like, oh yeah, my that god! Was really, that was all really weird. Well, if you've, I will say this. I know that's weird, but I've I've been in machine shops and stuff like that as a kid because dad used to work in them. The 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 what they put on there, the oil and substance they would do to keep the metal cool when they were cutting it. It look it's milk. It's it looks like milk. It's a, a whitish. Yeah. No, I know what that's you're talking what I about. Of. Yeah. When I saw it, I, I know it's milk or 
whatever the fuck they use. But when I see it, that's literally what I think of is just coolant. It's literally like yeah, that milky coolant. It's like when you're when you're cutting nails. metal, yeah. They they yeah, gotta that's, so that the saw doesn't break. Yeah. Keeps it lubricated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what it looks like. It looks exactly like what they use for this. I, mean, I know they end up using something else, but for me it made sense. But I guess most people don't see that kind of stuff. So, so yes. Yeah, so his head so his head is like hanging there. And yeah, there's just milk flying everywhere. It gets up and it attacks again. Skim too. Yeah, it gets up. He gets up though with his neck all hanging there and attacks again. And then they finally get it where his head becomes fully detached. And then they kind of, um, you know, Ripley is like, well, I need to talk to him. I need to, I need to figure something out. So she has Parker like wire him up so she can talk to its head. And this is a great effect, it's by great. the way. Has the fucking car battery. Yeah. (laughs) Two leads to it. The the cuts between the fake head and Ian Holmes' real head is (laughs) what once the fake head to the real head, not too bad of a transition. Because you could see it's like a fake head, and then it turns into Ian Holm is literally under a table, and it's just like there's his head. And then when it transitions back to the fake head, it's not as seamless. (laughs) It kind of looks janky, but it's it's still fine. I uh, like how they modulated his voice. Yes, very cool. And this won't be the last time that they they do this for the the androids of this franchise. Mm-hmm. I like the I like his voice. I just hate the gaspy whatever that's going on. The breathing sounds. The one in I the ship, like, like the one that like always goes through the ship, or his are coming from his, him. I, I assume it's coming from uh, him. I think it's what makes I, it more eerie about like how creepy this dude was. I know. I'm like, yeah, because he's supposed to be, he's an Android and people are supposed yes. to know it. So it has to simulate breathing. So yeah. that process is still happening. But it's like ASMR. And I'm like, ASMR before that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing about this movie and the, you know, the fact that Ian Holm is playing an Android, but you're supposed to not know that until the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does a great job because he does a lot of yeah. things that humans would do. Like there was the thing where he kind of like, uh, there was a scene way earlier where he kind of like pumps himself up. Like he's like yeah. clapping. He's like running in place type thing. And you're like, yeah. there's no way that's going to be like, Oh, I know he's an Android. I think it's, it's not really until he's really throwing her around or even the fact when he's rolling up the magazine to choke Ripley. It's, uh, it's like, like hmm. false. It's like false. Um, Oh, God. It's like false mannerisms. Yeah, it's like they literally programmed it with some false mannerisms. But it makes you wonder: Did he trip or fall earlier on purpose? Yeah, like he's got to. He's yeah, got to. He's got to make it look he's like. Because like, it looked very awkward <laughs> him falling. Like it. I'm like. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, he's probably just out of place enough where people are like, obviously he's a robot, but he does enough at that show. Where people are like, he's just fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a weird guy. Well, I mean, there was a scene earlier where he ta- where Ripley talks to Dallas about like how how long how how long have you worked with Ash? And he's like, well, I worked with this uh, science officer for quite a bit, and Ash was kind of brought in last second. So that's kind of those indications, like, oh, well, uh, Waylon uh, Utani planted him there for a reason. Like, if he's a last second addition, yeah. So yeah, once she she asks. Ash, like, how do I kill it? How do I, you know, what do I do? And he's like, you can't. And he talks about how, like, how beautiful it is. 
or he he talk he just he, he just talks about the alien itself and then um I think uh Lambert asks like do you have like affection for or not, not affection but oh, I can't think of exactly what she says but it's like is this what you wanted is this like is do you have I can't think of what the fuck she says is like sympathy for it or something like that do you like this thing you admire it Purity. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. They set him on fire, and that is yeah. the end of Ash. Oh, he says spaghetti for you. He says you can't kill it. It's the perfect organism. So their whole thing is now we need to blow up the ship. Like that's the only thing. There's the only way we're gonna get rid of this thing because we. Do we try to search for it and keep dying off, or do we just get the job done and who cares? You know what that is? That's that's a bunch right there. The idea to blow up the ship, it's a bunch of defeatism by a bunch of losers. All right. This thing is obviously killable. He just doesn't want them to kill it because the yeah. ship's still charting a course back. So if he's like, well, if they don't kill it, if I say some bullshit, if they don't kill it, then it'll still be alive and I will be successful. Yeah. So they all meet up and they said you got seven minutes to get the fuck off this ship. So Parker and Lambert set up charges around the ship. Ripley Ripley is getting things ready to get onto the other ship. But then she sees Jonesy and she then has to go on a search for Jonesy. And I'm like, I feel like you're wasting a lot of time. I understand you need to get Jonesy, but uh, well, the last person who had to go search for Jonesy, it didn't work out so well for him. He had a lobotomy. Yeah. Yeah. So the alien finds uh, Parker and Lambert. It, uh, this is a pretty creepy scene where the alien is like slowly going towards, uh, it it finds them both. And all you're hearing is like, get out of the way, get out of the way. She's like, I can't get out of the way. And he shoots or He is attempting to shoot it. And it doesn't work, and the alien gets up and punch, does the the tongue punch to the chest, and then it does a very sexual kill to Lambert. You know where that thing was going. You know where that tail was going. It you get mm-hmm. the shot of the tail going between her legs. You're like you, where else is that thing going? In the butt. <laughs> in, in the, the butt. butt. Yeah. yeah. What blood in the butt? So they are both dead. So Ripley is all that's left. She is our final girl. And she is setting up the ship's self-destruct. And um, that's when she runs into the alien and then decides she wants to try to stop the self-destruct. But by the time she tries to stop it, it's too late. And so she's freaking out. Uh, She slowly makes her way through the ship, even with only she is making her way through the ship super slow. And it's like five minutes until self-destruct. And she's like, taking my time going down this hallway. Yeah. Oh wait, I forgot something back in my room. Yeah. Oh, I forgot Jonesy. You forgot like her AirPod 37s or something. (laughs) Oh, she makes it to the pod or to the shuttle with a minute to spare. And as she goes off, you get the most ridiculous self-destruct of a ship I've ever seen in a movie with a it's the brightest lights like three times. You're just like, holy shit. Just blue, red, yellow, just 
it blinds you. And, and she's looking directly at it. <laughs> hazards. <laughs> and the Nostromo is no more. And uh, Ripley thinks it's done. And we all are like, I think it's got to be done, right? So Ripley and Jonesy are in the pod. Uh, this is where you get the, the you, get, you get you get to see a lot of, of Ripley here as she strips down in her uh, into her like, underwear that is clearly too small for her. Exactly. <laughs> she got half her ass hanging out. Yeah. But, you know, she she thinks she's by herself. So she's just comfortable. You know, she's you know, a lot of shit just happened. Her entire crew is dead. <laughs> And but unfortunately, while she is Dan, you look like you need to say something, Dan. I nobody will get the joke. I'm sorry, (laughs) but regular show, you look like punchies with cheeks like that. (laughs) Sorry, carry on. I'm being an idiot. Yes, Jonesy's is about to become a popsicle. Uh, yeah, and um, she Ripley is you know. This is one of those things where I feel like they did this on purpose, like they wanted her to feel super vulnerable, like she's literally Mm -hmm. down to almost nothing. Uh, She's fixing something, then she notices that the alien stowed itself, like, in the the cables or something? Like, it's in the the wall? wall Mm -hmm. And It is the spaceship. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Falls from it coming from inside the spaceship. It is the spaceship. The call is coming from up on the second level of the spaceship, go get the kids. <laughs> <laughs> when a stranger calls in space. <laughs> there we go. I this is the this is one of those things where watching it, you know, this most recent time, I'm like, this alien just he doesn't know what the fuck is happening. Like it's just trying to survive. It's a baby. It's just hanging out. It's tired. It's taking a nap. And I mean- you know. She's scared. She hides in like a closet. And then eventually she um, she looks out and she sees like it's not really doing anything. Um, but the, oh, you also get the thing where the alien she when she discovers the alien, it like throws its arm out. So that's what kind of gets her. I'm like, man, this thing just wants a hug, man. Just wants a hug. Mm-hmm. She so she puts on the spacesuit that's in this closet and she's ready for battle. And she, um, you know, this thing's just trying to take a nap. And she hits the steam button, which steams it out of its little hole. And I'd be upset if somebody woke me up by steam. Just starting to nap, damn it. I was like, I don't know what's happening, man. I just burst out of some dude's chest like two hours ago. (laughs) So, yeah, and she's uh, singing uh, Lucky Star as she forces the alien out of the hiding spot. She shoots it out of the airlock. Right as it's like they're about to get face to face and right as it gets close enough, she hits the airlock to then shoot it out. I love that it tries to catch itself and then it like gets thrown out. But then it is able to like reattach itself to the, the, the back of the ship and then she hits the the, the exhaust and just the flames shoot out the back and bye. Bye, I'll get you next time, Gadget. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Claw. Or it's a uh, team rocket as they shoot off and blasting off, yeah, blasting oh, off, yeah. speed up. <laughs> yeah, the alien is dead, I guess. Question mark. Ripley gives it her final forever. report about how everything didn't go very well, and uh, she goes into cryo sleep, and that's it. That's the end of Alien. We have a couple comments on the tweeter. 
about this wonderful movie. And we are going to read it to you. Oh, actually, we just got another one while we were recording. Look at that. What? Really? That's fancy. So we got four comments Heck yeah. for this episode. Our first one is from our good friend Wyatt from Cinema Trip Reviews. It's one of the greatest sci-fi horror movies ever made. The way Ridley Scott creates tension and atmosphere hasn't been replicated, not just in the series, but really anywhere in the genre. It's not just my favorite alien movie, but one of my favorite sci-fi horror movies, period. Well, a lot of praise. I like the praise. Our next comment is from our good friend Darren from NostalgiaCast, who says, a masterpiece, and I don't use that term lightly. And if you follow Darren on uh, Twitter, you never, it's it's a very rare thing to ever see that term. Yeah, the uh, last time you used that, the last time you used that was Jurassic World Dominion. Mm, 100%. He talked about it with us for three hours about how much he loved it. Uh, an effective haunted house in space movie that's also an exercise in unnerving sexual subtext. Countless frightening and iconic sequences. Weaver is the cinema's greatest final girl. I, I kind of have to agree. She's definitely top tier final girl. In cinematic history. Yeah, because she's a badass like the whole time. Like some final girls are, but she just like she's awesome. I don't know. She's great. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but she's badass. Our next one is from Doom Generation Podcast. A podcast. I mean, every so Cinema Trip Reviews, an amazing podcast you need to check out. Uh nostalgia cast, another one. Fantastic. Doom Generation says it's good, but we're skipping straight to aliens. They're recording it this weekend. How dare you skip this movie? I know it's so good, dude. but it's you're going to so want to listen to their aliens episode when it comes out Uh <laughs> great show over there. And then our final one is for movies for days. Another one, another podcast. This is the pinnacle of sci-fi horror 1979. And I don't think it's been bested yet. And I couldn't agree more with that statement. What's going on, everybody. I just wanted to come back because uh, we had one comment that literally showed up right as we were finishing recording and i of course want to add every single person's comment uh for every video that we do so the last comment is from half price horror who says a legitimately perfect film two hours but it feels like a tight 90 minutes a brilliant piece of creature design and one of the most visceral punches of shock and horror in the history of cinema glorious amazing comment thank you so much half price horror all right, back to the video. More with that statement. Make sure to check out all these wonderful podcasts. Um, you know what? I'm going to put them in the description. Since they were so lovely enough to leave us some comments, I'm going to put their podcasts in the description. There you go. Yeah. You're welcome, everybody. Yeah, do we have any final thoughts on this movie before we uh, go into what's going to be going on for next week? Yeah, the movie needs more vagina-shaped objects. Thank you. 100%. Why, okay, no, seriously. Why is nothing shaped like a butthole? I mean, I guess you could say the egg looks like a butthole before it opens. And then it opens up into a beautiful whatever. The JJ? Yeah. Oh. Moist cave. My, my favorite um, line from this movie was when uh, Sigourney Weaver was talking to Parker and she's like, Parker, would you shut up? It's like, will you fucking listen to me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When she's like, shut the shut up, Parker. Listen to me. No, but I love it when she's talking to him in that hallway and she's like, fuck off. <laughs> she just walks, yeah. I'll be in the bridge if you need me. <laughs> just, I, I want to throw this out here because I, you, you know, whatever. I'm not trying to bring shit up for YouTube purposes, but does parts of this movie just make you think of like, 
a time span between 2019 and 2022 <laughs> <laughs> talking about quarantines and yeah. people not, fall- yeah. and people not following it, the- it. Mm-hmm. yeah which I don't, I don't judge people. I do what they got to do. But I'm just like, especially now, it just feels super relevant. And please don't go making this as some social commentary bullshit. It's just part of the fucking movie. That's just how it felt to me. Yeah. No, but um, this is this is a movie that I've loved for a very long time. It's definitely one of my favorites, probably of all time. Just even after recently watching it, it just it holds up so well. The effects. The acting, the direction, the cinematography. So good. Guys, what is happening over there? Should I be concerned? No, he squeezed my finger. Okay, I gotta keep, sorry, I gotta keep it down. I'm throwing up gang signs. I don't want to like oh, no. somebody. Yeah, we don't want that. Secret handshake. Secret handshake. But you squeezed my finger. It's the one we can actually do in public. The other one we have to do in bed. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, Lord. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, everybody, let's talk about what we're going to be talking about next week for episode 88. Next week, it's a special day. It's one of the two times this year that there is going to be a certain day of the week or of the month, I should say, and that is Friday the 13th. So we're going to be taking a already taking a pause from the Alien franchise because we need to talk about a movie from the Friday the 13th franchise. And what better way to start off? Listen, we covered all the movies last year. We did the whole, went through the whole franchise, did a little bit of description, but we're going to be doing a whole, we're going to be doing whole episodes on certain Friday the 13th movies on Friday the 13th. And next week, we're going to be starting off with the 2009 remake. Friday the 13th. I'm very excited. I have not seen this one in quite some time. Uh, I I I think you guys were you guys were streaming uh, a bunch of the Friday Thirteenth movies uh, last year, uh, so I was able to see a bunch of those. Uh, going through the kill counts on uh, Dead Meat, they did he did the recounts on them because those were like his first kill counts he ever did, and so he redid them. So I went through all that. So I I but I have not sat down and watched this movie in probably five or more years, maybe even longer than that, maybe like ten years. So it's been a long time, but I do remember enjoying this movie. It's probably one of my favorite remakes uh, from the the 2010s or sorry, the 2000 aughts or whatever people say. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about it. What about you guys? You guys excited to talk about Friday the 13th? I am. It's a good movie. We have watched it a couple years ago. Like that. Maybe a little over a year ago. It was good. It's a good movie. I'm looking forward to it. We also have some plans to have some guests on coming up. I'm very excited. Hopefully we'll have a, a guest on by the end of the month. Uh, I will announce who the guest will be probably on the next episode. If we make sure they got to make sure, you know, the everything is set and ready to go uh, before I announce. Um, I know that the episode that I was on with uh, Gerald from two peas on a pod is going to be coming out for the general public. Probably this week or next week, uh, where I talk cool. about my top five Steven Spielberg films. Um, I know it's available for people who are Patreon members of his of, of his, but uh, I, maybe it'll be out by the time you guys listen to this. So go check that out. Uh, and um, yeah, you guys have anything else you want to add before we get out of here? So again, we want to thank you for a great 2022. It was. 
it was an amazing year and I'm so excited to start back up on franchises here in 2023 and to start off 2023 with an amazing movie like Alien. I'm so excited to get through this entire franchise uh, without much fun. We had doing the Terminator franchise, even with those lesser liked movies. They're a lot of fun to talk about, and um, I'm excited to hopefully we'll we can we'll have some guests to talk about some of those alien movies down the road. So, yeah, until next time, I am Brett Parker. That is Dan and Angela of DNA Gaming. We are dissect that film where you can find us anywhere on the socials. Links down below. This has been episode 87 of the podcast. See you all again next time. Oh, hey, it's a face hugger.